Welcome to the Standard of Truth podcast. In this podcast, Dr. Garrett Dirkmont and Professor Richard LaDuke explore the early history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the life and teachings of Prophet Joseph Smith. They examine the original historical sources and provide context for events of the past. They approach the history of the Church with faith, expertise, and humor. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Standard of Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Garrett Dirkmont, and I'm joined by my friend, getting near to be a doctor, but not quite yet a doctor, ABD, Richard LaDuke. Oh, hello, Garrett. Um, it's so nice of you to say, as the dissertation proceeds, I seem to be further and further away. Yeah, in fact, most dissertations... They kind of work on like the expansion version of the universe where, uh, you know, like the universal constant. It's accelerating further away from me. The universal constant is the speed of light. And the great, one of the great mysteries of, of the universe is that the universe expanded faster than the speed of light. So nothing can go faster than the speed of light except somehow the universe's expansion. Dissertations, similar, somehow you work on it, the more work you put into it, the further away you are from actually completing it. It's like dark matter, a (laughs) dissertation is. That's very good. I didn't think it would be so Carl Sagan-y, but this is... uh... Billions and billions (laughs) of stars. All right, so (laughs) digging into uh, the Phoebe Draper Palmer Brown mailbag, we're going to answer a... Well, we might answer uh, a listener's uh, question. We've actually had several people email to say that we don't ever answer anyone's question. You know what? They're right. Okay. So this uh, the the subject is Palmyra Part Three. This is part of the the premium. The premium. So we, if you're wondering, if you're still, if you're on the edge of your seat, thinking. I, I was going to do premium just so Garrett and Richard's kids could eat, uh, but I decided not to because I wanted to eat. Um, I, th- I think if anyone is making the decision between eating and the premium membership. Uh, well, so what's, I mean, we learn from Second Nephi, right? Yeah. To, to feast on gospel things. So, so you want people to go hungry. I want them to feast on gospel things, Garrett. Yeah, well, I think see, we need to stop I, talking I, I about. Feel, I feel like wanting me in a Calvinist sort of a way. If you if, if you predestine if, only certain people to heaven and the only other place to go is hell, I I kind of feel like there's only one other option. So so I think I've mentioned this in our in in previous uh, Phoebe Draper Palmer Brown mailbags. Um, uh, I am uh, I'm I, I'm a fairly decent reader i'm 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 okay uh on a scale of one to 36 i'm probably a 17 um and uh in fairness to both of us we both grew up in idaho (laughs) this is this is true my wife wants me to read the emails seven or eight times before i i do them in the podcast so that i don't sound like an idiot um but i mean she's been married to me now almost 20 over 22 years she she knows i'm an idiot well i yeah i like the fact it's very kind of her that she thinks that's the solution. Well, so, you know, lots of families have, I mean, maybe your family has a, a good friend of ours. Um, her her father uh, passed away and he had a couple of, of things that he was, I believe he was a mission president, just a great faithful man. And, uh, and 
he he liked the expression of no empty chairs, right? The, no empty chairs at the table, right? There's a there's a song about it um, that is uh, that I sing often to irritate my children, um, and uh, and so our family also has a theme. The theme is don't embarrass the family. Yes, that is a theme. It's in vinyl all over our house. It's in wood uh, above the door as you leave. Sometimes, uh, as a child, uh, it was remember who you are as you leave, or you know something something more like that. Like you're a, a child yeah, of yeah, God, just, and know, don't forget that you're a king look, look and, up or a prince. And live, yeah, right. Like that, yeah. And ours is don't embarrass the family. Right. And uh, it's it's a constant refrain, and so it's less about her concern about me and more about. Concern about the family and them right. thinking of because all the dukes as poor readers. Yeah, your your name's unique enough. Although, I, frankly, your name people butcher it so much. I mean, Becky probably texts our group text between our spouses and ourselves at least once a week to explain some new way that someone has butchered up the name Leduc, <laughs> which is only five letters. <laughs> Um, look, very my last name's Dirkmont. No one has ever spelled, pronounced, or written it correctly in my entire life. Like there are people whose last name is Dirkmont. It was like, are there two A's in there? I mean, no one ever gets it right. Um, but, uh, with Leduc, it is stunning. I mean, stunning. they get what? Delucci, they get. Delucci is more common than you'd think. Yeah. Um, Delucci, Ludic, uh, yeah, um, uh, Deluc happens so, so much. much. Leduc yeah. is the is the common most common. That's the common mispronunciation. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, do they also put a K on the end? Well, when I go through, when I go, you know, you go through initiatories, you write your name down. I, I write it L A D U K E, just making it easier. Right. So you so you falsify your temple <laughs> records. Is that well, is the, that the name? I, think, it's, it's, I feel like well, we, first of all, we if, need if temple some records, temple. Do if we have temple records are on a post it note? Do we put on the do we have any temple presidents that are listening? No, we okay. do not. Do we have any temple workers that are listening? My wife doesn't listen. Okay. Right. Uh, well, anyway, all this to say, here's the email from Blaine. Brilliant, truly. That's it. As a commentary to Palmyra Part Three. What else did he have to say? That's it. That's it. And Blaine, that's the exact length of email that I am able to... It would have been funny if I mispronounced any of it. I should have done it on purpose. Well... But- if you recall, when we did our live broadcast, I m- misspoke my own name. No, because we cut it. We cut but we it talked good. about it. You we did it talk up. about yeah. it. Yeah, we, yeah. we cut Richard, it. Because we cut the stuff Richard that makes Garrett look bad. We cut <laughs> the stuff was that makes very <laughs> bitter about it. <laughs> so we've got another. We have an e- another email from Andy. Um, he he called asking us uh, where a certain scripture or a quote was. And uh, and then we obviously didn't respond or well, comment it, or read on. Right after he sent it, he, he he emailed again. Yes, yeah. Within within two months of that initial email, <laughs> he emailed us right back because uh, Garrett made a comment about no one listening in Mississippi, and he said, "Listening from Mississippi, by the way, I'd say you guys are awesome, but I can't feed your ego. Have a nice day. You know what, Andrew? You know what? First of all, thank you for listening from Mississippi. Yeah, our downloads in Mississippi are blowing up right now." <laughs> Yeah, we're in the tens of tens. I can't wait for our. We have a big uh, egg bowl prediction show that's coming oh, up in November. Andy, look, I know, I know the smart money's always on Old Miss, but I think this year, well, State. yeah, feelings are strong for yeah. the loss of their coach. That's what I'm saying. I, okay. I think I, I'm, I'm never go against that is crazy very, Lane Kiffin. It's a though. Very bold prediction. <laughs> um, 
All right, here we go. This this next email comes to us from from Jordan. This uh, the subject is saved my marriage. Wow. So so just so everyone's aware, we don't ever provide any marital advice at all. Oh no. And th- sometimes we even talk about plural marriage. Well, against <laughs> our will, but I mean, don't practice it or anything. But people ask questions. <laughs> uh, hello, fellas. Please forgive my poor grammar and punctuation. I am just a poor, uneducated Idaho man who can't He's spell from good. Idaho. Yes. Now, oh. now, so we were we were wondering. So, poor, uneducated Idaho man that can't spell well. Where where could that have been? Nampa, Shelley, yeah. Declo, I, you know what? Shoshone. I, I decided that we All were going to say that he's from Salmon, Idaho. Salmon, Idaho. Yep. Yep. Only because they were our rivals in basketball and football. Yes. Yeah. My district leader in an MTC was from Salmon, Idaho. How about that? Did he let you get the mail? He did. He, he got the mail faithfully. Okay. So um, he was not, he, it, the power didn't go to his head. Garrett. It is not possible for the power to not go okay, to your head. Right. So it, of course it went to his head. As, but I'm as saying, soon as they get a little authority, no, as they, they suppose, suppose, as soon as they get that mail key, they immediately begin to exercise in righteous dominion. It's it's literally like the Lord of the Rings, right? So it's like my precious. <laughs> so so when someone becomes an MTC district leader, they start like, call him, call him. <laughs> is that what you're saying? That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, yes. Uh, I'm a poor and uneducated Idaho man who can't spell good. I want to share a story about how the tools I've learned in this podcast helped build my marriage. Oh boy. This, this is, this and is I'm a, not joking, this is already going a downhill. true story. The other day I was playing Xbox with my son. Well, you're already off to a great start. And my wife began to do the dishes in the kitchen. I feel that she doesn't do them because uh, they needed done necessarily, but to passively hint at how lazy I am. Because of my, I bet she does them very loudly as well. That's a that's a good. So what you're suggesting is that she's in there pounding pots and like really, and then making like a like a scrubbing set, like a oh I can't get this out kind of thing. Right, I think that's what he's suggesting. Because of my ability to ignore <laughs> these cues, she then took her subtle forms of body language to the next level with verbal conversation. She asked me why I never wanted to help out around the house, and we carried on a small conversation of how I disagreed with her concerning my motivations. <laughs> I'm sure that went very well. Yeah. I don't remember everything said in this conversation, but then she had the audacity to pull the whole it just goes to show card. And <laughs> I'm sorry, that's very funny. And That you've talked about on a few former episodes. I was able to counter that by informing her kindly that she had nothing to go on with that claim. That she had no record of me ever claiming I didn't want to help out and she lacks the historical training required to make such a claim. Wow. She then stormed off <laughs> and I went back to play Xbox. Wait, so you don't have the proper historical <laughs> training to determine whether or not there are sources for this claim? Is that? That's what he said to his wife. I, I'm stunned that that, that went over poorly. It's interesting. What? Yeah. Look, he's saying it's helping his marriage, so I don't know how poorly it went, I, I, went over. Well, I'm pretty sure it, it went poorly. In fact, uh, Jordan, I think if you think it went well, then then it went poorly. Yeah, look, there there are a couple of, uh, of memes or GIFs or reels or whatever where um, one spouse is angry and then the husband goes and he's like just busily like getting a vacuum getting right. some, looking anxiously engaged 
Um, but obviously Jordan here went another way to conclude. I absolutely love this podcast. I wish, I wish the episodes were longer and they came out daily. You guys kill it every time. I hope that I can meet you guys someday and shake your hands. Thank you for everything you do and for my happy and healthy marriage. Well, we, we would love to meet you. Although I'm now wondering, uh, whether or not we want to meet your wife because she probably hates us. Uh, if you're, if you're, well, we don't know that he necessarily, he may not have referenced us. So yeah. secretly. Yeah, that's okay. right. Okay. Please don't tell your wife that we said that she couldn't tell you to do the dishes. We never said that. I, I, I'm terrified even thinking it. I just <laughs> did the dishes just before I came up here to record because of my fear of that very thing. So, um, 100%. Yeah, yeah. That'd, be, that'd be great. You know, Jordan, there'll be a great opportunity to, to meet us at the Standard of Truth Tour that's ah. going to be next June. We'll have that, uh, we're hoping by the end of the month of August to have uh, everything posted online that people what are, can What sign are our dates on those? Sometime in May and then nope. later in November. Nope. In June. Ah, the first two weeks of June. And in, in the first two weeks of June 2024, uh, we will be going first to Baltimore and... Baltimore, Baltimore, uh, and the environs going to Fort McHenry and then to Gettysburg. Uh, and then we will be going up to the church history sites, ending off in, uh, in Kirtland and then, and flying home. Uh, so that one's going to, uh, be the first, um, the first week of June. Uh, and, uh, so the third through the, the ninth, right. And then, the second one is going to be the 10th through the 16th, which is our Kansas City. We're going to we're going to fly into Kansas City. We wanted it later in in the year, so it'd be Well, yeah, that was our thought. Our thought was, you know, it's oppressive and terrible <laughs> in Kansas City in early June. Uh, what if, you know, taking a cue from Jordan, what if we just went later in the month? I'll bet that would be better. <laughs> Uh, in fact, not only is our podcast helping you with your marriage, Jordan, your email helped inspire us to plan a later date for a tour outside in Missouri. It's good. It is. It is fun. The the tour we went on before uh, last, well, this year, last year. I don't know. Yeah. Whenever this episode, it's drops, all running together. Sure. Yeah. Um, it was it was an absolute blast, and it was a uh, it was a lot of fun. We actually met with a. Uh, a uh, friend of the show, Damien, uh, for lunch a week or so ago, and and he talked about you know creating almost this community around the show because we still have the um, <laughs> the WhatsApp group message from from that tour that uh, that we still message on the the people that come are hilarious. Oh yeah, it's an absolute amazing. Absolute Richard's going to lunch with one of them next next. I week am. Or something. I am. And Marvin, it's important that you realize I'm not going to eat a lot. Uh, the reason I'm not going to eat a lot, by the way, is because uh, I had to. I, I got a term life insurance policy when I was 24, and when I was 24, I thought I only need 20 years. When I'm 44, I'll be so rich there will be no reason for another life insurance policy. Well. I'm almost 44, and I'm not rich and uh, in poor health and, and fat. And so uh, I, I met with someone for life insurance over the phone, obviously. They asked my weight, and I gave them more of an aspirational weight. So, so you gave them a fictitious weight. I, aspirational. And so what happens, though, have is you have been to, this weight since you were playing basketball for the high school team? I have not been this weight since my sophomore year of high school. <laughs> 
So uh, it's very aspirational. Here's the thing. I have till the end of September to hit that weight and to get my physical. Right. So well, going to Arizona in the summertime is helpful. It will help. Yeah, but, that's uh, like a weight, a weight, like a wrestler trying to drop a weight. But yeah. I'm gonna have. I will have water, uh, no ice. I'm concerned about potential calorie count for ice. Uh, obviously, no lemon. Um, so I'm excited to go to to dinner with uh, with Marvin. But I'm not going to be eating very much. I just right. wanted to give him the heads up, and I wanted to do it. I could do it on the phone or a text, but I wanted to do it on the podcast. Yeah. Marvin, shout out to you. Yep. I need to lose about another 78 pounds. I like how we've made your weight loss uh, goals part of our show. I think <laughs> that's what most people tuned in to hear. Well, it's one of the things that will hold me to it because uh, right. only only 87 more pounds to go. Well, the other thing you can do, Jordan, um, if you, you, know, you wish that the podcast came out every day, you also could sign up for the premium content and then at least you'd get it twice a week it's true yeah and then you can listen to it every day we'd love the downloads yeah, so just keep downloading it. it's very important you re-download it delete it off your phone <laughs> re-download it delete it off your phone say hi to my mom i mean those are the important <laughs> aspects of this this last email uh, comes to us from uh, antony um and it is the standard of truth is the subject Anthony says, uh, Dr. Dirkmott and Professor LaDuke spelled uh, incorrectly. Just, was that a deliberate incorrectly? I always assume it's loving. Okay, I, yeah, it's lovingly spelled it correctly. Yeah, yeah, he's just yeah. giving me a hard time. right? Your name is spelled okay, right. Just checking. Lovingly spelled correctly. Just finished listening to the Why Me podcast. I couldn't agree more. The Lord knows who we are and what we are capable of. I love Doctrine and Covenants section four, verse five, and faith, hope, charity, and love with an eye single to the glory of God qualify him for the work. It testifies of the mercy of the Lord and that these are the qualifications that he requires, nothing more. We don't have to have all knowledge. We just need these characteristics. Why me is the question I asked when I was called as a district leader in the MTC. Well, Anthony, <laughs> we know exactly what kind of guy you well, must have Well, been. I mean, look, he obviously was a very faithful missionary. Did he withhold the mail from people? Well, let's see. Yeah, of course. I let it go to my head. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, first of all, I will say, Anthony, there's nothing you can do about it. Right. It's so, going to so go to So the closest we get to Calvinistic predestination <laughs> in our church is becoming an MTC district leader. It's the first real kind of calling, sort of, that, that you have, as you suppose, and you immediately begin to exercise. What, what about when you're first a senior companion for the first time? It's got to be similar. I feel like district leader MTC because you don't even know you don't even know what a mission is. You right, don't even and know what you're you, doing. You know and all you know is and you've, you I'm don't even charge. know these people. You don't know these no. people. You just met them a second ago, and now you're the district leader. Yeah, and all Hi, of a sudden my you're reading Elder Johnson. You know, and, uh, you're, you're reading Art of War. <laughs> and yeah. you rule with an iron fist. Yeah, next it's thing like, you know, Sun Tzu is like <laughs> an army marches only as fast as its slowest unit elders. I just I love like uh, like they turn into some sort of like East German. Yeah, they get a little bit of a they get a little bit of a of a, of an accent and uh, you know yeah I thought I thought that we said we'd meet we'd meet at six thirty, it, it's six twenty five. I knew a good elder would be ten minutes early. Whatever. You're not ten minutes earlier, you're late elder. <laughs> uh, I had uh, I had the best elders. And still would get after them over small. Oh, Anthony, of course, of course you, you would. Of course you would. Yeah, Don't of course you would. Stop beating yourself up. Yeah, Anthony, it's not. It's not even your fault, yeah. Anthony. You need to listen to the indulgences episode <laughs> of our Joseph Smith and the Restoration to know that you can get out of purgatory. 
You know what? I'm going to send it to you. I don't know if you're a premium or not. I'm going to send it to you for free so you can listen to it. One of the reasons why no one signs up for the premium <laughs> is Richard just gives it all away. I'm going to sign it up. To missionaries, I've got a soft spot for missionaries. They have seven kids on missions right now. Missionaries to people who email and spell your name oh, wrong. Really, really quick on the mission stuff. So this is, this is my absolute favorite thing. So my son in Spain, he's in Barcelona. He's, he's serving just east of Barcelona. He, for P-Day, they go up to this beautiful castle. They're looking over the town that they're serving in, and there's the Mediterranean Sea. And it's just picturesque, absolutely beautiful. My son got to Lima, Peru. Your second son. Your other My son. second son got to Lima, Peru last Friday. And he sent us, he sent he, us a picture. He sent some pictures, yes, of his view. They were very different. Than the, than the pictures of my other son that is uh, serving in Spain. And uh, his mother was made a little anxious by them. I love them more than Well, she was made world. anxious because you have a Peruvian living in your ward who asks, hey, where is, where is Rigdon serving? Uh, Becky, uh, Augustino. Becky gave the town and the woman's face went ashen. Her, and count, said, her countenance fell. Yeah, and she said, I would not let my kids serve a mission if that's where they were serving. She's like, my son, he would not, who's been to Peru, you know, a bunch of times. Oh, he wouldn't know what to do. One, one positive thing. If I can just, if I can just do something, um, a little autobiographical. Well, well, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one's extra autobiographical. Okay, yeah. But so, um, my son's mission companion, you always hope when your kid goes out on a mission that their, that their trainer is, a hardworking, faithful missionary, right? And is kind because he, he's going to set the tone, and he yeah. could be a jerk. And yeah, so you he, want him he to could be, be kind. A, you hope he's not, but he could be a bad missionary. Yeah, so you want him to be good, strong, hardworking, faithful, and kind. If yeah. you can get those two in a sister trainer or an elder trainer, then you're off to the races, right? right? That's all you want. So my son's trainer is a sweet, sweet um, Peruvian. He's from Cusco, Peruvian missionary, and. Uh, uh, my son is is he's about six two, so in in Peru that's giant. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so he was telling him, so they're not allowed to track. Like I think after six o'clock in their area, when it gets dark, they're not allowed to go. That's always a good sign for an area. <laughs> When the mission rules for people whose job it is to teach people is you better be inside when it's dark. That's how you know you're in a good area. That's right. Well, so he was um, he was saying. Because one of the one of the things that people do is they'll they'll like you know they have a fake wallet. When we went through the Department of Health and we're, he had to get all of his vaccines, yeah. or whatever, go to Peru, they said, okay, so when you get robbed, you're going to right. when you get when robbed. you get robbed, yeah. you have a fake wallet, you have some cash in it, so that when you're robbed, they can you can just give them and they they'll see money, that whatever. there's cash in it. Yeah. I, I actually a tip of the cap to the robbers because they've gotten wise to that. So now they just they they take all their clothes. All their clothes. So they take all of their clothes, and then the missionaries walk home in their garments because they've. At least had they all don't their take their garments. Well, at least they do, right? They show some respect. But my son's trainer said the good thing is that tomorrow or the next day we'd be able to go down to the market and buy your clothes back because they will be selling them. So you know what? Would you be buying them directly from the person? Would it be like, hey, I remember you from yesterday? <laughs> or would it be more of like a middleman type I, of situation? With everything inside me, I want you to be buying them back from the person that stole your clothes at Knife or Gunpoint previously. Anyway, uh, that uh, is a little much. The, the contrast between the two P-Day pictures was th- my favorite part of the day. Uh, since then, I've never been called to leadership again. So there you go, That's Anthony. That's hilarious. Yeah. 
So you are are you uh, fatalistically saying that <laughs> that you did so poorly as a? Or it's possible he was essentially the city of Enoch for leadership, and he never needs to serve oh, right. leadership yeah, again. So he was essentially carrying people across uh, the sweet water. Is that <laughs> yes? Okay. Yes, yeah, spiritually speaking, Sp- he spiritually carried people across the Sweetwater River only as a trainer to let the new ambassadors, formerly known as Greenies, to dwindle in unbelief as to what on earth they've gotten themselves into. Welcome to the mission. This leads me to another question, yet another inquiry lost in the archives of the Standard of Truth podcast Unanswerable Questions. I found this podcast in an advertisement you had placed on Facebook. The title piqued my interest. I had learned about the Standard of Truth by Joseph Smith on my mission. It impressed me to the point that memorizing it seemed easy, and I, st- and I still use it from time to time today. I figure I would check out your podcast. It was either a play on words, like most antagonists' media. Oh, I see. So they they thought this was an anti Mormon podcast. Well, he, well, he was. So the real question the dice. is, why then did you decide? To well, listen? no, he was hoping. He's <laughs> he like, was hoping. Yeah. yeah he's, so he maybe was it was. Click for a few minutes. Yeah, where they just trashed the church. He didn't know that Rex's elders quorum president. He didn't know how long he'd have to listen before he got to the content. <laughs> yeah, where where are we at right now? Before he listened? Like, I don't know. Fifteen, I don't twenty know, minutes. It's like seventy five minutes in. Um, yeah, let's see. Rex's elders uh, twenty four minutes. Yeah. We're almost there, Rex is Elder Score President. Um, who we know your actual name because you emailed in, but we still we referred still, to. Like Rachel's mom, you are going to be Rex's Elder Score President. <laughs> I'm glad to find that it was. Oh, so then he asks, or was it was it the good thing where it was antagonist, or bad bad thing? <laughs> good thing where it was antagonistic. Good thing where it was. <laughs> where it was bad where it was antagonistic. I have good, no idea why he wondered Joseph whether or not it was right. I'm glad to find it was. Uh, that not only was it the latter, but you do it in style. Working righteous Harry Carey in your humble way. That, yeah, that is, is a, great. That is a great line. Working righteous Harry Carey in your humble way. It's been fun to watch it grow from fives to tens of subscribers. <laughs> We're all sitting on the edge of our seats, faces lather with anticipation, waiting for the next installment of Wisconsin faith-building mission stories. Oh, wow. Oh, and yes, I do have beachfront property in Duchesne County. That's funny. And I'll throw the Golden Gate for those of you who free. aren't from Utah. You'll you'll note that Duchesne <laughs> County is not by the ocean, nor is any county in Utah. <laughs> I digress. Back to the standard of truth. Under what context, and when did Joseph give it? Was it a talk, a revelation, an answer to a newspaper inquiry? Where and when was this given? Great, well, that is an awesome great question. question. And Anthony. that's the type of question that doesn't involve plural marriage that allows us to <laughs> dive right in and try to talk about. So um, I think what he's referencing is this, you know, the standard of truth. And and I think a lot of missionaries had to memorize it. Right? I memorize I mean, it. Yeah, I love it. Do you want to, from memory? From memory, I, I am going to verify right now Richard has nothing in front of him. Okay. All right, uh, let's let's see wow. how I see yeah. how I do. Uh, Rigdon will be very disappointed when he hears this two years from now. Um, first of all, how do you pronounce it? Is it calumny? 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 Okay. The very fact that you know calumny's in there shows. Well, we'll we'll see yeah. we'll see how we uh, yeah. did this. Our our bishop recited it when Rigdon was getting uh, set apart, and then we were like, oh, dang, Bishop Peterson, well done. All right, let's see. Um, 
The standard of truth has been erected. No unhallowed hand can stop the work from progressing. Persecutions may rage, mobs may combine, armies may assemble, and calumny may defame, but the truth of God will go forth boldly, nobly, and independent till it has penetrated every continent, visited every clime, swept every country, and sounded in every year until the purposes of God shall be accomplished and the great Jehovah shall say the work is done. Very good. I, I love it. It's beautiful. Well, it is beautiful. And a lot of missionaries do memorize it as kind of like a missionary. I mean, we did in my in my mission. Um, I, I will say, though, every mission does things differently. Like, for instance, it sounds like in your mission, you couldn't call the new missionaries greenies anymore. In Anthony's mission. Yeah. Yeah. In Anthony's mission. Because he said they're now called ambassadors or something like that. New ambassadors. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that that's a church-wide policy, but I, I'll tell you what, I, I, I just did a quick check to see, and in a talk that Elder Cook gave last month, <laughs> he used the word greenie. He says, in our vernacular today, we would call them greenies, talking about a missionary in the early church. So, I mean, I don't know if it's a hard and fast policy or if, you know, Elder Cook much like a young Willard Richards is shooting, shooting, shooting from the hip. <laughs> um, but um, uh, at any rate, yeah. So that's a great question. I mean, it is one of the more powerful things that Joseph Smith will will teach. And so the question is, where does it come from? Where did this idea of the standard of truth come from? And under what circumstances Joseph quoting that? Well, I think we'll start with where do we first hear it in some of our Latter-day Saint, um, Latter-day Saint literature. Um, first and foremost, while it's not exactly the same, the imagery of uh, a standard being erected is something that is, is, is pretty common in early Latter-day Saint literature in part because of the Book of Mormon. Now look, the, the parts of the Book of Mormon that the ensign to the nations is discussed is they're the Isaiah chapters of the Book of Mormon. So other Christians have you know access to these as well. The difference is the Book of Mormon highlighted certain aspects of Isaiah. So so you're already a Bible believing Christian. You already you know you already know Isaiah backward and forward, right? Uh, you didn't. You may not have had any you know. Isaiah made easy books uh, in the 19th century. But Isaiah is already scripture to you. And then as you read the Book of Mormon, there's chapters of Isaiah that are quoted in the Book of Mormon itself, which causes them to be even further highlighted. Well, what are some of the ones that are highlighted in the Book of Mormon? They are the ones that talk about the scattering and the gathering of Israel. Um. So if you go to 2 Nephi 15, about verse 26, um, so 2 Nephi 15 is Isaiah chapter 5, right? Uh, so if you go to 2 Nephi 15, verse 26, it says, And he will lift up an ensign to the nations from afar, and he will hiss unto them from the end of the earth. And behold, they shall come with speed swiftly. None shall be weary nor stumble among them. None shall slumber nor sleep. So this is this Isaiah prophecy of the gathering of scattered Israel. And that, of course, is a central aspect of Latter-day Saint belief. And really, it's it's one of the central messages of the Book of Mormon, right? That its job is to help gather scattered Israel. 
And it's not the only place that it's discussed. And in fact, even more important to this kind of idea or this imagery becoming part of Latter-day Saint lexicon and history is uh, the next chapter uh, in in the Book of Mormon, not the next chapter, but the next time it's, it's referenced, this enzyme to the nation, um, is referenced in 2 Nephi chapter 21. Now, 2 Nephi chapter 21 is very similar to Isaiah chapter 11. And again, talking about the latter days. This is the one that starts, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. Well, the uh, discussion again is of this, this second coming and gathering of of Israel, and it's especially where it discusses what it will be like in the millennium. These are the, the those beautiful verses uh, of peace, right? And the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand into the cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is 2 Nephi 21. I'm now on verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it the Gentiles seek, to, to it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So it's really here because it is a discussion that an enzyme is going to be set up in Isaiah chapter 5, but it's really this one, the Isaiah chapter 11 that talks about the last days that God is going to set up this enzyme, right? And and going to set up this enzyme uh, that will help gather the people, this standard that will be set up to draw people, an enzyme to the nations that shall assemble the outcasts of Israel. That is a pretty good way to describe missionary work, honestly, yeah. right? The, the outcasts of other Christian sects, the outcasts of other, uh, of other religions where they, they just don't feel that everything's quite right. And then here comes a missionary like, like, like Rigdon in Peru, you know, looking out over the, the spacious apartment that he has. But, here comes someone who has some answers to questions that he had. The other reason why this part of the Book of Mormon is even more, it's even more uh, well-known, I would guess I would say, is that this is also a part of the, the, these verses are part of the question and answer sections that become part of Doctrine and Covenants section 113 in the Doctrine and Covenants, specifically some of these verses. So this is a question and answer session, essentially, among elders and Joseph Smith that will eventually be canonized and added to the Doctrine and Covenants. And 
it's questions about Isaiah. That's actually what it's titled is questions about Isaiah. Um, and you get one of these questions that is from the same chapter. What is the root of Jesse spoken of in the 10th verse of the 11th chapter? So that was part of what we were just reading. Behold, this is verse six of doctrine and covenant section 113. Behold, thus saith the Lord, it is a descendant of Jesse, as well of Joseph, as well as of Joseph, unto whom rightly belongs the priesthood and the keys of the kingdom for an ensign and for the gathering of my people in the last days. So not only is that chapter 11 highlighted because it is repeated in the Book of Mormon, here, that very part of that chapter is then the, the focus of a question about the last days. And again, you have this idea that there is an ensign, that there's a standard, there's a sign that is put up for the gathering of, of my people in the last days. Now, more specifically to the question of, um, you know, well, yeah, but where does, you know, where does the word, you know, where does standard of truth come from? Uh, where, where are we getting that? Well, the first time we get it that it's from Joseph Smith is his role as an editor of the church newspaper in, in 1837, uh, the Elder's Journal, which is a church newspaper. And this is uh, the phrase. Our readers will notice that the following from Elder Kimball, it's Heber C. Kimball, who's on a mission, was intended for a private letter to his wife. Consequently, it was not expected by him to be placed before the public. So Joseph, you know, pulled a fast one here, you know. You know, I, I have no idea what, what Heber C. Kimball wrote in this letter, but can you only imagine if it was something like, and you know who I don't really like, the Johnsons. You know, oh, oh, oh we better edit that out. I have, no, I have no idea whether it's edited. Of course, Heber C. Kimball only wrote letters that were good and faithful and kind. If you happen to be a Heber C. Kimball descendant, of which there are legion. Right. We have zero listeners to our podcast, and we still have a thousand listeners that are descended from Heber C. Kimball. That's how crazy it is. Um, of course, Heber C. Kimball, the lifelong best friend of, 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 of Brigham Young. I mean, they were essentially inseparable. Um, so Joseph, again, is the editor, and he's giving this editorial note before they publish I'm hoping with some kind of permission, Heber C. Kimball's letter to his wife. I mean, obviously he got it from his wife, from Vallette, but we'll see. Um, uh, consequently, it was not expected by him to be placed before the public. But as Elder Kimball is like ourselves, a man that delights in plainness and is not skilled in the art of daubing with untempered mortar. What? Wow. What a... What a beautiful way of saying he makes sure he doesn't say stupid things even when it's a private letter. We have taken the liberty to give it uh, give it publicity uh, almost entirely almost entirely um, so almost entire notice that means they did do some editing so thankfully whatever you know maybe he did say something like you know who I really don't like that William McClellan which Maybe they should have left that in. So back to Joseph Smith's editorial there. He says that they, they're going to publish it almost entirely, that the saints may have the long-desired information that the standard of truth is hoisted on the eastern continent. Now, that's that's a reference to, to Europe, 
because that's where Heber C. Kimball was riding from. And hundreds are already enlisting under the blood-stained banner of Emmanuel, even him who once trod in the same path that our beloved brethren who are laboring in England are now pursuing, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, Matthew 11:5. We feel thankful in very deed that God is no respecter of persons. So Joseph is so moved by this letter that they're going to publish it in the Elder's Journal, and he gives it that editorial saying that the standard of truth is hoisted on the Eastern continent. Okay, so here he's using that phrase. Now, once that phrase is used in a letter back from Heber C. Kimball, what, should we go there? Yeah. This is a letter copied into Joseph Smith's journal, if you're wondering. Dear Brother Joseph, in health, peace, and safety, we arrived in this place on Monday last from the scene of our labor during the past year after a passage of 31 days. We cannot give a full account of our labors now, but suffice it to say that the standard of truth is reared on the other side of the great waters and hundreds are now fighting the good fight of faith beneath the shade of its glorious banner. We have fought in the name of the Lord Jesus and under the shadow of the cross we have conquered. Not an enemy has risen up against us, but that has fallen for our sakes. Everything we have done has prospered and the God of the holy prophets has been with us and to him belongs the praise. Our brethren in the East are poor, yet rich in faith, and the peace of our God abides upon them. We have not interfered with the priests at all, except when we have been assaulted by them. We have preached repentance of baptism and baptism and repentance. We have strictly attended to our own business, and we have let others alone. We've experienced the truth of Solomon's words, which are as follows, when a man, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh his enemies that they are at peace with him. Our enemies have seen their entire insufficiency to stand against the power of the truth manifest through us and have gone away and left us in peaceful possession of the field. So he's, he's using this kind of onward Christian soldiers type of rhetoric, right? He's not talking about an actual army, but that that that's again the point of onward Christian soldiers, right? Marching as to war, not actually to war, right? And what's going before them? The cross of Jesus. That's a, a, an evangelical hymn. Similar, um, he's using the same phrase back. We've raised the standard, the standard that 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 a military unit raises up. It's very interesting that you know one of the imageries that you get from the Bible that is used a couple of times and once even in the Doctrine and Covenants is from Song of Solomon. There's a phrase in the, in the Song of Solomon, which of course Joseph, when he's doing his uh, when he's doing his translation of the Bible, he makes no changes to the Song of Solomon and just a notation that the Song of Solomon is not inspired scripture. And yet, there is a phrase from the Song of Solomon that is quoted by the Lord when the Lord speaks to Joseph in uh, 1828 with Doctrine and Covenants section 5. And that is, uh, I will give them power, this is DNC 5 verses 13 and 14, I will give them power that they may behold and view these things as they are, and to none else will I grant this power to receive this same testimony among this generation. 
In this, the beginning of the rising up and coming forth of my church out of the wilderness, clear as the moon, fair as the sun, and terrible as an army with banners. Which is, first of all, incredible imagery, right? At the same time, that phrase, terrible as an army of banners, found nowhere else in the Bible. If the Lord's quoting it, at least that phrase, terrible as an army of banners, which is a way of describing the coming forth of the church, which I think is great. And again, this is given before there's a church, right? This is not, this is not post April 6, 1830. There isn't a church yet when the Lord gives this. This is Joseph Smith still laboring in 1829 to try to figure out how to translate the Book of Mormon. I mean, this is after some uh, pretty difficult things. And in fact, it's in response to, to Martin Harris saying, Hey, Joseph, I know I lost the pages, but is there any way you could just show me the gold plates and then things would be fine? He doesn't want the plates, but he does want to see them so that when he's put on trial for being an accessory to Joseph's supposed fraud, he'll be able to say, I saw the plates, right? And of course, the Lord's response is, if they would not believe these words, they would not believe even if you could show them all of these things, right? That, that this beautiful doctrine um, that we've shared before, that the reality is what causes someone to believe is not seeing something miraculous. If you think it's seeing something miraculous, then you're wrong. And so um, it's in this same uh, chapter where this imagery is used very early on, that the church coming up out of obscurity is as terrible as an army with banners, these banners, these enzymes, these standards. Now, Heber C. Kimball, having, having gotten a taste, you know, just he, he started off with this a trial bit of standard of truth. He, he comes to really like that phrase. So he's actually going to write another letter, this one from Preston, England. In 1840, he's going to write it to the leadership of the church. And again, employing that same phraseology to the presidency, high council and bishop of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So this is May 25th, 1840. He's writing it from England. Um, He's going to say, we rejoice that we can say the work of God here is in a prosperous way. Yea, we rejoice greatly at the aspect of the times, expecting the time to be not far distant when the standard of truth will be conspicuously raised throughout this land. We have witnessed the flowing of the saints toward Zion. The stream has begun, and we expect to see it continue running, till it shall have drained the salt or the light from Babylon, when we hope to shout, Hosanna home. Again, some amazing imagery in these letters, right? So, you know, what is the salt? Ye are the salt of the earth, and if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall the earth be salted? It's thenceforth good for nothing. So what are they seeking out as they go and preach the gospel? They're seeking out the salt, right? So they're trying to, the stream has begun, and they want to drain the salt or the light, right, to find the people of the light from Babylon, from the world. But he uses it again. The standard of truth is erected, the standard of truth with this reference to the missionary work of the gathering of Israel, this Latter-day gathering of Israel that is done as missionaries go out, preach the gospel, 
baptized and those people are brought in, that the standard of truth is again being used in that way by by, uh, Elder Kimball. Now, not to be outdone because, you know, uh, not everyone, not everyone can be Elder Kimball. Um, and so our, our, one of our next references, and, and I'm not doing every one of them. I'm, I'm just trying to give you a flavor of them. Um, frankly, I think if we were to ask, uh, if we were to answer specifically the question that you gave, then that would, it would be bad form for the podcast. Yeah. We, we like to take whatever question you give us, change it to whatever we want it to be, not answer it, and then put it up and tell you that we answered it. So John Taylor, uh, he is the apostle on their mission to the British Isles, who's going to take the gospel to Ireland. And he is going to use that same phraseology that Heber C. Kimball is using about Ireland. He's going to say, I visited Ireland. So this is an 1841 letter. So again, this is before, we're leading up to it, we're leading up to it, but this is before Joseph Smith will give the quote that Richard so ably and so adeptly, although very quietly. I noticed your voice got quieter and quieter and quieter as you gave it. I think because you're thinking... Yeah, if you were to make a mistake, then we weren't going to edit it out regardless. No, no, I know we weren't. Yeah, if there, there, was, there was no chance we were editing it out. I was hoping that he was going to say, and and then we'd have put it in and packaged it. Would it surprise you? Would it surprise everyone listening <laughs> to find out that that is not the only time the word calumny is used in that same paragraph actually see now i'm building anticipation see you think i'm bad at this and i am but i am i'm building anticipation for you to find out where the second word calumny is back to uh what we were saying here that that john taylor this is 1841 that he's sending this letter and again it's all about this british shots all about spreading the gospel in foreign places I visited Ireland some time ago and planted the standard of truth in that nation. I stayed there something over a week and preached in several places and baptized two before I left. Elder Curtis is there now, and there is between 20 and 30 baptized. So uh, one of those people that was baptized, Thomas Tate, is considered the first convert of the church in Ireland. So John Taylor literally is the father of the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Ireland. He's, he's the first person to preach there. So you're going to have uh, another, another instance in which this is brought up shortly thereafter. The church is going to send out kind of a, a circular, a, a letter to the church, kind of a, you know, the, the, not quite the annual statistical report, you know, that is done with all kinds of incredible emotion. I mean, in this letter, um, it, it's, it, they, they do even call it Report of the First Presidency. It's published in the Times and Seasons, but it's, it's like a, a circular to the church. The presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints feel great pleasure in assembling with the saints at another general conference under the circumstances so auspicious and cheering. And with grateful hearts to Almighty God for his providential regard, 
They cordially unite with the saints on this occasion in ascribing honor and glory and blessing to his holy name. It's going to go on and talk about, you You have all these missionaries, especially the Quorum of the Twelve, that are serving in, in Europe um, and in other places, and they're going to report on it. The reports from the Twelve in Europe, like John Taylor, who had just sent his, are very satisfactory and state that the work continues to progress with unparalleled rapidity and that the harvest is truly great. In the eastern states, so now in the United States, the faithful laborers are successful and many are flocking to the standard of truth. Nor is the South keeping back. Churches have been raised up in the southern and western states, and a very pressing invitation has been received from New Orleans for some of the elders to visit that city, which has which has been complied with. Now, I will state, uh, I know at least at one point when missionaries begin preaching in New Orleans, they are pelted with rotten apples in the streets. So maybe that, maybe that's why they were inviting them down there. Hey, why don't you have a couple of your elders come preach to us? Because the apple harvest was was plentiful. But let's get right down to it, right? Let's talk about where this actually is. I've kept everyone in suspense quite long enough, or frankly, not quite long enough. The reason why uh, this is familiar, or at least the reason why it could have been even more familiar than it is, is this, the, the phrase, that the, the, the quote that the missionaries quote, actually comes from one of the most well-known newspaper articles ever written in the church. Um, Probably the most well-known. And that is the Wentworth letter. Now, if you remember, John Wentworth, uh, the editor of the Chicago Democrat, um, had reached out to Joseph for a brief history of the church because he had a friend that was writing a history um, and they thought they were going to include this in their history. Now, in the end, this ended up not being included because they decided to start the history of the state in in like or to to uh, end it in 1800, right? So just the very early history of the state, and it was before you know uh, Joseph was born, so you know it got left out, and so it subsequently got published in the Times and Seasons. We all know it as the Wentworth letter, and and the parts that we all know about it is. It's the Articles of Faith. Now, remember, Joseph believes that what he is writing, he is writing to a non-Latter-day Saint audience, and so therefore, and that it's going to be published. So the Wentworth Letter is a very interesting document because it is prepared specifically as a summary of what our history is and what we believe for non-Latter-day Saints. The whole idea is it was going to be published essentially in a reference book. And it's here that Joseph is going to talk about some of the horrific things that happened um, in Missouri. In fact, I'm going to read some of this um, just so you have an idea, and mainly because I get so angry, and this is what I do. Um, there's a reason why I struggle when we go to Missouri. Um, I'm not saying it's not going to be a good tour. I'm saying I'm going to be angry, not at you, but just generally at the state. Um, this is, uh, uh, as Joseph's talking about their history, he's going to say this, this is going to be a little bit lengthy. I'll, I'll break up some of it, but, um, 
On the sixth day of April 1830, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was first organized in the town of Manchester, Ontario, state of New York. Um, some few were called and ordained by the spirit of revelation and, and prophecy and began to preach as the spirit gave them utterance. And though weak, yet they were strengthened by the power of God and many were brought into repentance, were immersed in the water and were filled with the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands. They saw visions and prophesied. Devils were cast out and the sick healed by the laying on of hands. From that time, the work rolled forth with astonishing rapidity, and churches were soon formed in the states of New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, and Missouri. In the last-named state, a considerable settlement was formed in Jackson County. Numbers joined the church, and we were increasing rapidly. We made large purchases of land. Our farms teemed with plenty, and peace and happiness was enjoyed in our domestic circle and throughout our neighborhood. But as we could not associate with our neighbors, who were many of them the basest of men and had fled from the face of civilized society to the frontier country to escape the hand of justice, in their midnight revels, their Sabbath-breaking, horse-racing, and gambling, they commenced at first to ridicule and then to persecute. And finally, an organized mob assembled and burned our houses tarred and feathered and whipped many of our brethren and finally drove them from their habitations who houseless and homeless contrary to law justice and humanity had to wander on the bleak prairies till the children left the tracks of their blood on the prairie this took place in the month of november they had no other covering but the canopy of heaven in this inclement season of the year this proceeding was winked at by the government. And although we had warranty deeds for our land and had violated no law, we could obtain no redress. There were many sick who were thus inhumanely driven from their houses and had to endure all this abuse and to seek homes where they could be found. The result was that a great many of them being deprived of the comforts of life and the necessary attendances died. Many children were left orphans, wives, widows, and husbands, widowers. Our farms were taken possession of by the mob. Many thousands of cattle and sheep, horses and hogs were taken and our household goods, store goods, and printing press and type were broken, taken, or otherwise destroyed. Many of our brethren were moved to Clay, Clay County where they continued until 1836, three years. There was no violence offered, but there were threats of violence. But in the summer of 1836, these threatenings began to assume a more serious form. From threats, public meetings were called, resolutions were passed, and vengeance and destruction were threatened. And affairs again assumed a fearful attitude. Jackson County was a sufficient precedent. And as the authorities in the county did not interfere, they boasted that they would not in this, which on application to authorities we found to be true. After much violence, privation, and loss of property, we were again driven from our homes. We next settled in Caldwell in Davies County, where we made large and extensive settlements, thinking to free ourselves from the power of oppression by settling in new counties with very few inhabitants in them. 
but here we were not allowed to live in peace. But in 1838, we were attacked, again attacked by mobs. An exterminating order was issued by Governor Lilburn Boggs. And under the sanction of law, an organized banditti ranged through the country, robbed us of our cattle, sheep, horses, and hogs, and many of our, many of our people were murdered in cold blood. The chastity of our women was violated, and we were forced to sign away our property at the point of a sword. And after enduring every indignity that could be heaped upon us by an inhumane, ungodly band of marauders, from 12 to 15,000 souls, men, women, and children, were driven from their own firesides and from the lands that they had warranty deeds of, houseless, friendless, and homeless, in the depth of winter, to wander as exiles on the earth or to seek an asylum in a more genial clime and among a less barbarous people. Many sickened and died in consequence of the cold and hardships that they had to endure. Many wives were left widows and children, orphans, and destitute. It would take more time than is allotted me here to describe the injustice, the wrongs, the murders, the bloodshed, the theft, misery, and woe that has been caused by the barbarous, inhuman, and lawless proceedings of the state of Missouri. In the situation before alluded to, we arrived in the state of Illinois in 1839, where we found a hospitable people and a friendly home, a people who are willing to be governed by the principles of law and humanity. We have commenced to build a city called Nauvoo in Hancock County. We number from six to 8,000 here besides vast numbers in the county around and in almost every county of the state. We have a city charter granted us and a charter for a legion of troops, which now number 1,500. We also have a charter for a university, for an agricultural and manufacturing society. We have our own laws and administrators and possess all the privileges that other free and enlightened citizens enjoy. Persecution has not stopped the progress of truth, but has only added fuel to the flame. It has spread with increasing rapidity, proud of the cause which they have espoused and conscious of their innocence and of the truth of their system amidst the calumny and reproach have the elders of this church gone forth and planted the gospel in almost every state of the union. It has penetrated our cities. It has spread over our villages and has caused thousands of our intelligent, noble, and patriotic citizens to obey its divine mandates and to be governed by its sacred truths. It has also spread to England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. In the year of 1839, where a few of our missionaries were sent, over 5,000 joined the standard of truth. There are numbers now joining in every land. Our missionaries are going forth to different nations. And in Germany, Palestine, New Holland, that, that's Australia for our Australian listeners, New Holland and the East Indies, and in other places, the standard of truth has been erected 
No one hallowed hand can stop the work from progressing. Persecutions may rage, mobs may combine, armies may assemble, calumny may defame. But the truth of God will go forth boldly, nobly, and independent till it has penetrated every continent, visited every clime, swept every country, and sounded in every ear till the purposes of God shall be accomplished and the great Jehovah shall say, the work is done. And immediately at the finish of that, the very next paragraphs, unnumbered because they weren't yet called the Articles of Faith, the words that we have come to recognize as the Article of Faith are the very next words. We believe in God, the Eternal Father, and in His Son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Ghost. We believe that men will be punished for their own sins and not for Adam's transgression and on down the line. Now, why did I take the time, you probably think, far too much to read this in its context. Because as beautiful as this sentiment is that I also memorized on my mission, the points that were made in it, you could see were referenced earlier in the article. Joseph spent most of the time talking about the horrible persecution that the saints had suffered nearly everywhere they had gone especially focusing on Missouri and the sacrifices that men and women and children had made because of the gospel. You saw in just the the few sentences previously using that terminology amidst the calumny and reproach have the elders of this church gone forth and planted the gospel in almost every state of the union. It has penetrated our cities. It's in that context of discussing how horrible the persecution had been that then Joseph prophesies that this standard of truth, hey, it's not just in England, Ireland, and Wales, and Scotland. It's not just there in Germany, Palestine, and in Australia. It is going to fill the world. And so I think knowing the context of it really does change some of the meaning. It was always powerful missionary scripture, but it's even more powerful to know how it was spoken and what was going on with it. So thank you so much for joining us this week. Hopefully, I know it was laborious, but we did answer a question. And as Richard promised, we're going to do better next week. Thank you for listening to the Standard of Truth podcast, hosted by historian Dr. Garrett Dirkmott. If you know anybody that could benefit from the material in this episode, please share it with them. And for more resources, visit standardoftruth.com. Until next time.